Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. fellow basement dwellers it's your good friend patrick o'dowd welcoming you into another edition of bandwagon nerds bandwagon nerds is of course brought to you by the chair shot radio network here on the chairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head the chairshot.com always use your head and if you love what we do each and every week, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in some chair shot swag, especially during this holiday season. Remember, if you purchase the next Bandwagon Nerd shirt, we will thank you on this podcast publicly. We will share your screen name, your real name, your fake name, your alias, your your witness protection name, PC Tunny. We'll do it all. We want to thank you. Support us. Help us. Only $19.99 few dollars more for soft style feel great on your giblets folks we have a terrific show lined up for you today currently three bandwagoners in the house we will have a fourth forthcoming boy that was not how i wanted to get that introduction out there but we are joined of course you heard you know patrick go down the the number one chair shop villain wrestling realist all of those we have Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney, here, as usual, keeping his streak alive. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing, Patrick? Hi. I got my, I'm wearing my, my Mickey Mouse yeah. swag, you know, yeah. after, after visiting the, this is the iconic, nice. the, the old school Walt Disney World, World shirt. Very happy about that. David Ungar, the lawyer, is not here this week because he is currently hanging out with the mouse over on the West Coast. Doing that Disney California adventure and Disneyland trip—it's something that he and his family do every year. This is the this is that time. So no David Ungar today, and so we replaced him. Finally, he's done ducking me. He's here. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. 
the number one chair shot villain ready to take on his foil, the lover of all things, Zack Snyder, fool that he is, one DJ of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I still hear that's a good show. I appreciate you for not listening, um, and I also appreciate you for having me on here this week. Uh, I could never replace Dave. However, any chance that I get to work once again with one half of the sluttiest podcast team ever, you know, Panama Canal Tunney, and any chance that I get to come up here and run the risk of Patrick O'Dowd either throwing his phone or threatening to throw me off the show, I'm here for it. You guys really think I'm a much angrier dude than I really am. I mean... I, I get all these apologies week in and week out when I'm gone. I, I get the every I, I my favorite take when I'm not on the show, and I always listen to the show, even when I'm not one. I listen to it because I am a faithful subscriber to the Chair Shot Radio Network, even though I don't listen to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I just I can't. Uh, but when I listen to the the show, I, I love the the statements that are always prefaced with like Patrick's gonna hate this, he's gonna be so mad about this. Suddenly now there's this this narrative amongst the chair shot chat that I will be throwing my phone. Folks, phones are expensive. Why would I throw a phone when I can just hit my kid? I mean, wait, I didn't say that. No, I'm just kidding. I did not. I did not hit my child. Um, I think you either need but, a gimmick phone or a gimmick kid. I just shove him a little bit. Like just give okay. him a little push. Shove is okay. Uh, you know, you know, yeah. Slaps, slaps don't leave marks. So you know, things like that. I'm just kidding. I'm not an abusive dad. Please, DCFS, if you're listening, don't don't come visit me. Anyway, I I don't know. I got it. We got a great show today. We got a loaded trailer park, a super loaded trailer park. Everybody kept adding trailers this week. We got six in the trailer park to cover. So Tony had plenty to watch during breakfast today. And that's always good. And then we're going to get into uh, some news around the Nerdosphere. Not much. A couple of movie uh, film updates. We got a big update on Avengers Kang Dynasty. We're going to talk about a movie that some people are questioning why it's being made. And I actually am surprisingly all for this movie being made. Before we wrap up doing one of our favorite activities, dunking on Bob Igar and David Zaslav as they are dopes. And we're going to tell you all about why they are dopes this week. Before we get into any of that, any of that, of course, we have to kick off. Oh, I also forgot. Coming in late, because that's just what he do, is the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire. He's just showing up whenever he feels like it. And and I'm disappointed. Like, he's he's not even here to hear the blues. He's such a diva. He just comes and goes as he pleases. You know, it's one of those things he, he I, I needed to start the show later on our recording time. Uh, I will own that because I was recording a very special five by five for this week with one Aesop Mitchell. And that recording ran late. And my grand plan to then watch Doom Patrol before the episode then got messed up with timing. So I got to push it back late. So we started recording late and then Ray in all of his magnanimous glory is like oh that's perfect i was gonna back out of the show but now that you're starting late i can do it. i was like you know you know if you're just gonna back out willy-nilly like what are we doing what are we doing who's uh who's gonna post five by five by the way well dave is currently or i'm uh, sorry aesop not dave dave's not here aesop is going to be messing with the recording and then i don't know 
Somebody will. Okay. I mean, you're in the room. Just send it to me. Get it. Aesop can't post? I thought he could post. I don't think. No, I post his stuff. So t- just send it to me. I will. All right. It'll get there. You're welcome. All right. There you go. Chair shot business happening here on Monday. I promise you there will be a five by five best and worst holiday tunes, according to Patrick O'Dowd and Aesop Mitchell. Very, uh, I was very excited about this, this little, uh, this little five by five for the holiday season. So I can't wait to hear that one. You know, I was surprised. Aesop apparently hates Christmas and and I didn't know this like, or just doesn't like the holidays. And so it was fun because I am like, I love, the holidays i have i have a holiday music playlist that is over 40 hours long on my phone and mrs o'dowd will only allow me to make one holiday album purchase a season because if she doesn't limit it it, it'll be out of hand so it's over it's like damn near 700 holiday tunes on one playlist it's titled christmas it has two exclamation points and i'm i get very excited now i have very strong rules about holiday music i don't play any holiday music until thanksgiving is over and then i stop holiday music immediately after christmas is done so but that that's that's tomorrow uh tuesday that'll that'll that'll, that's down the road it's down the road and knowing is half the battle And of course, since Dave is not here, that means Tony gets the soundboard because Tony will be managing the recording and the posting and all of that fun for this show. Now you know again. There's a big smile. But hey, let's get into the show. We got to talk a very musical episode of Doom Patrol, which apparently, well, Tony, just hit the music and then we'll get to it. How about that? So you immediately upon watching this episode know that we are doing something very different today for Doom Patrol as even the intro music is different. The intro music sounds like Pentatonix Mm -hmm. singing the Doom Patrol theme song. So do you want to start with my message in the thread? first to, to begin this sure start start with the message apropos i think i had thought maybe you had watched it already um i knew it basically been, no. yeah i knew it basically been you and me talking about it today and i was like maybe five six minutes into the episode and it was all singing and i was like in the thread i'm like is this whole episode a, a music a musical and sure enough it pretty much was um I don't know. I'll just come right out because you're going to ask me why I didn't like it. I do like musicals. I just didn't want a Doom Patrol musical episode. It was fine. This whole second half of this season has been fine. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, though. I mean, it was something different, so I thought they did it well. And I'm glad we're back to kind of reality here at the end. But it was just... It's not... This is... I I ordered a Big Mac, not a filet of fish <laughs> 
Sir, this is a Wendy's. We um <laughs> well done. So I, I generally I generally enjoyed the episode. I, I appreciate I appreciate shows when they try to do risks and take risks um, with something a little bit different and goofy and wacky, which is kind of what Doom Patrol is at its core, is doing some of these the little wackier, strange type of episodes. It reminded me very much uh, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer season six, they did a musical episode, which kind of for me was like the first, like a lot of shows have done the musical episode. And one of the things that I walked away with is being like that, has kind of become a little tired for me as, as a viewer of a lot of different programs to to see like Scrubs has a musical episode, Doom Patrol has a musical episode. I want to say like Grey's Anatomy did a musical episode. Like Big Bang Theory actually did a big, uh, like a Diwali kind of dance Indian dance episode too. Um, right. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's it's different. It it, it just I just wasn't expecting it. I, you know I. I I think I more or less it's about me not enjoying the second half of this season. Which is okay. I here's the thing that I the one thing I love about musicals though that they that they can do in a unique way that's just kind of different from standard entertainment is it does allow you to do some different sort of plot device telling storytelling that that can be unique. And for me, the one thing I pulled out of this episode that I am here for, and I'm not even going to pretend like I'm not here for it, is a crazy Jane space case relationship. Like space case clearly has got a thing for Jane. I Jane's mean, a mess. Yeah, I was bring those two together. I'm, I'm there. Please I'm make that happen. Yeah, I'm here for it too. Like, and Jane. they're, and they're dynamic the way that like, Crazy Jane, you know, if we remember last week, Jane, like, yeah. Space Case tries to, like, comfort her and help her because she's upset, oh, yeah. and she, like, screams at, oh. at Casey. And then they, they sort of, like, Jane then comforts Casey yeah. Yeah. and makes back. her feel better. Give her a hug. Right. Yeah, and I'll give her a kiss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Rubber, no then rubber, your hand no, sort of drifts no, out. No, yeah. no rubber front. <laughs> okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's easy there, Cliff. You had the hand drifting down at first. Your, yeah, I know, I know. You you got me you got me down a you got you got you took me down a path. <laughs> I mean that cropped up t shirt was just really nice. Jane was wearing but there. but but Brendan Fraser, the, the, the Cliff steal and getting to see Brendan Fraser out of costume Oh god, it's he fat for, for most of this episode was, was what's that? He's got a big old belly on him now. Well he's 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 sixty some years old, dude. Well, like he's he not... was like this always this in shape big guy, you know. You remember him like that, I guess. Right. And then and then life punched him in the face really hard and yeah. he slipped into serious depression and his he he had a rough go. Like he was sexually abused in Hollywood. Like it's his mess his story is really a horrifying story. And that's why his comeback has been such a big deal because of everything he came back from. But it's so cliff, right? Like we're we're in this fake world where we're celebrating a mortis day or 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 a mortis or whatever they call it. A mortimus. A mortimus. And you know, you noted we opened with this this song, this song and dance routine celebrating a mortimus day with the sex ghosts and most of the cast doing this opening musical number. But then Cliff goes off by himself to, and he clicks on the Immortus Holiday Special, and the Immortus Holiday Special for Cliff is porn, of course. <laughs> it's Immortus, the, the Immortus character stripping down 
Isabel Feathers starting to get naked. And can, can we just talk about one of the lies that Hollywood perpetuates? Tissues, not the most effective way to clean up after yourself. Like, he's got this box of, he's got this box of tissue and that's it. I think it's just better. I think it's just better. I think that's just what is well known that signifies that act or or the cleaning up of said act in whichever way it is acted out. Practicality. I yeah. Practicality. I think this is no. I think Hollywood's more about getting their point across than practicality, wouldn't you say? I'm just saying function over form. You meant let's let's get. I mean, you meant what they know. I I did. I did. I, I get it. So, but. The whole point of this episode we, is that Amortis has created this illusion, this fake world. We we are all we're having about, some real fun conversations today. Yeah, today, we're good folks. to go today. Let's yeah, go. Lesbian sex and masturbation. That's the name <laughs> well, of the episode. Lesbian well, sex yeah. and, and masturbation. Is it, is it really? Should I write that down? <laughs> you can write it down. You can put it on the board. Oh boy. Yes. Oh, this that's so. For all pot- of you Chicago White Sox fans that's out so, there, you know what I mean. That's so pot of war as you. Sometimes, you know, there again. There's all these. There's all these tall tales and, and urban legends about Patrick O'Dowd and and what he wants out of an episode and what he what he thinks is appropriate or not. I I would say uh, I have the least expectations and limitations for for you and and whatever you know way you'd like to portray the character of Patrick O'Dowd on this show. Okay, I like to portray. I I am. Me. And I mean, I mean that in a good way. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'd, I'd applaud you, but I don't want to. Um, Fuck. Don't apply. Don't apply. No, I did it. Number Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. That was funny. Number though. one chair shot villain. That's screw all you, say. Ray. Ray, screw you. Don't be. Don't be. Drop. Keep the fucking hands on the wheel, asshole. I no time to be. Ray, Ray Cash, by the way, in the, in the call, in the chat, not in the show yet, which is why I hadn't introduced him. Tony, Tony's going rogue. Going rogue. Ray instigating over there his car but that's fine um the whole thing about this episode though immortus after that big scream to end the previous episode where you know she's frustrated that things keep coming up doom patrol and they're really starting to be a thorn in her side in the world that she wants to create and control so she creates a fake reality where every day is this holiday and it's a musical and everybody sings and celebrates immortus day of course madame rouge has been the one to see through everything with Amortis. She was the one to see through all of the changing of time and time skipping and moving around in the previous episodes. And she's the first one to catch on. Like, wait a sec. This is, this is wrong. Not just this is off because crazy Jane is like, something's off. And and her instincts are telling her that something's off. And she, you know, she draws a picture of the subway. and, And so there is that, but Madame Rouge is the one who figures it out and then starts showing everybody. And then we get this really interesting dynamic throughout the rest of the episode of each of the characters kind of one by one deciding if they want to stay in that reality or not. And before Amortis arrives for the Amortis um, dinner, they, they're split in half. It's like it's 50-50 because Larry Trainer wants to stay for the potential to keep his boyfriend. Uh, Cliff wants to stay because he's, he's human, human yeah. and can still talk to his daughter. Um, he can feel the Victor. He can feel the breeze on his dick. 
Right, exactly, literally, as he pisses in the bushes and nearly lands on Victor, who's kind of stuck in both worlds, like Victor, of all of them. He says he wants out, but then bursts into a solo song for for multiple in front of multiple members of the team. And you know how you mentioned Madame Rouge, and she was kind of the one that would yeah. pull these guys out of their singing and everything. That's some of the best comedy of this episode too, especially with her and Victor. She's like, "No, you go Victor, ahead." Victor, no, are you just, singing again? Can you just meet me when you're done? Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I also I also loved. Did you know the sweater that that Madame Rouge was wearing? That was just a bunch of Christmas hams. Like across the... Is that just, what that was? I don't even... Oh, no, I those were Christmas hams. It. Okay, I gotta Basically, go back and right, look at well, that. Well, sorry, Amortis, Amortis hams or whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we go through, and it's literally like 50-50 down the, uh, between the two about who wants to go back and who doesn't. But by the time we get to the dinner with Amortis, Cliff is like adamantly like, no, I'm going, I want to stay. I love, I'm thankful for what you've done. And Madame Rouge defies Amortis. Amortis starts choking her. And then everyone else, except for Cliff, for the longest time, starts to turn and say, no, I don't want to live in a fake world. I want to be in the real world. And it starts with Rita, who right. Rita's the one who steps up and saves Rouge. Off. And then Dorothy agrees, you know, and, and then Amortis brings them back to their own reality, which is interesting because I felt like Amortis trapped them because it was an advantage for Immortus to continue to do what Immortus wanted to do. But Immortus, if right. that was truly the case, didn't really play the cards right there by pissing them all off. You know what I mean? And not being, uh, she, but it probably can't control yeah, right. it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really right. an interesting dynamic. It really was, uh, very much one of these moments in these episodes where, Amortis, again, Amortis just keeps underestimating the Doom Patrol and thinks that she knows what they really want at their core and keeps being proven wrong. And so I did love at the end, though, she brings the reality back. Everybody's back to being old uh, that you can see Cliff's back in his, his body. By the way, the, the the hand puppet singing next to Cliff. Oh, dude. That was fucking dude, funny. That was fucking money. And then one of my other favorite lines with involving Cliff was uh, after Rita goes off, Cliff goes, oh, she, she didn't mean that. It's just the ham fumes. I'm like, oh, it's the, the, the ham, ham fumes. The ham fumes. Yeah. The ham fumes. <laughs> and then Amortis, Amortis's picture on the plates, too, sorry, was just great. Right. Yeah. And it's Amortis hasn't figured it out yet that, that no, like what she what what she wants, she's not going to get by trying to appease him. So now I think we're getting into a much more adversarial thing. Uh, walking out of this, uh, I do think it's important to note that once uh, Crazy Jane gets her memories back, because she and Space Case have a moment, she does reject Space Case, um, and Casey is, you know, obviously sad by that. But then at the dinner table is like still wanting to put herself out there for Jane. And Jane doesn't know how to respond to that. And I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic moving forward. But I think she's going to be instrumental to Jane getting back to the underground. You'd have to think so. Her or Dorothy. Right. I think that's, yeah. And Dorothy, Dorothy's a great, you know, is a, is a great little story too. Like she initially is like, I want to stay. This is great. And having a family, um, but is very clear about, again, this is, this is a lie and I don't want to live in a lie. The opening, though, when they introduced the sex ghosts and they're like, did you have sex this morning? Like, you betcha. 
<laughs> yes, the Sex Ghost being back. This was such yes. an interesting t- time for the return of the uh, of the Sex Ghosts. Uh, Great accompaniment so much, characters so much in the uh, musical part aspect of the show, and, and the singing, and, right. and then the the uh, the choreography. So thoroughly, yeah, enjoyed. I guess I did. Chorus. I guess I enjoyed the episode more than I thought. Yeah, you, you, you just a lot of pulling pulling that information out uh, and kind of embracing embracing the moment of what it was. But yeah, there were. It was a really limited cast outside of the Sex Ghosts. There wasn't a lot of extra folks. This is really just the the Doom Patrol and Amortis right. slash um, Isabel Feathers. So good, good stuff. Good episode. Uh, looking ahead to see what next week's episode is titled because I haven't cheated yet. We're down to we've only got three left uh, after after this. So also, I do appreciate it's funny because. I, I like now that we have um, we had we w- chose this time to watch it, and this happened to be a holiday esque episode during our holiday season. Like perfect timing, Beautiful. go us. But this next one is called Tomb Patrol, T O M B Patrol. So that can't be good. We'll have to see what happens next. I don't know. I just DJ made me made me wonder why couldn't they have like a Legion of Doom Patrol episode? uh, Maybe I don't know. It doesn't really fit. I don't know. Maybe who knows? I get what you're trying to do there, but I'm not gonna play along. DJ, I know you haven't watched the show. I feel like you should watch the show at some point. It's definitely on my um, list of things to watch. But if I sat down and watched everything that I should be watching, I'd have to retire tomorrow. Cannibal, cannibal butts. That's all. I, I mean, two-legged cannibal butts that eat people. You can. It's probably that actually sounds pretty funny. That kind of reminds me. I don't know if you guys ever watched ages ago. Adult Swim had a show on that ran for maybe one season. It was called Assy McGee. Did you guys ever watch Assy McGee? I missed out on Assy McGee. It was terrible. That it was pretty much this leg. <laughs> was he was a. Terrible. He was an ass. That's a big sell right there. <laughs> he, he was I mean, this ass that was a private detective. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, we'll save that for when we're definitely out of shows to watch and review here on Bandwagon Nerds. So maybe never because the show this show will be canceled before we get to that show. All right. We're going to jump into our first commercial break. We come back. We have a ton of trailers in the trailer park. So stay tuned. We'll be back soon. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tunney, DJ Ray Cash is technically with us, but he is currently driving. So if he wants to say hello and unmute himself, I do not endorse speaking behind the wheel, but if he does it, you know, he does it. Say hello. Ray says hello. That was very clever. <laughs> I already booed you once today. You weren't even you weren't even here to be booed, and I booed you. So I mean you got that going for you. But Big, is this the biggest trailer park we've ever had? 
Tony? I mean, it's up there. Um, it's got to be. Yeah, a, all right. I think maybe what is this? Six? Is there six? Six. I think we, we are covering six trailers, and I, thought... I left off the seventh that somebody tried to throw in today, Dave. I thought we had like eight one time, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we must have been really starved for content that day. Yeah. But anyway, we can't do that until we get into the trailer park, and we can't do that without some beautiful banjo. And I know you have some queued up for us, so if you could hit that beautiful banjo. Very nice, right? Okay. What a, I, I Ray's on his phone right now, noble listener, and you can't see this, but I'm very concerned with all the angles. Are you <laughs> me, I'm getting I'm like, did you get a car accident? What's He's happening? rolling down a hill right now. Ray, Ray, <laughs> the, the, no podcast is dry. That's that's what we're telling. Okay, so we have six trailers to cover. The first one is a documentary because Patrick O'Dowd loves documentaries. And I almost didn't put this one on there, but it actually didn't feel like I could pass it up. This is a documentary that is going to be airing on Disney Plus. May already be available to stream. I'm not quite sure. But it's titled Timeless Heroes, Indiana Jones, and Harrison Ford. And it's basically a trailer chronicling the early career of Harrison Ford. Now, it says Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford, and there's a lot of Indiana Jones talk, but it is not limited to Indiana Jones talk in this trailer. Harrison Ford is like my favorite old man curmudgeon actor at this point. Like, he has given up giving any fucks when he does interviews. Like, if he thinks something is shit, he is going to say it's shit. When he doesn't want to do something, he just says, I'm not going to do it. And we all just accept it because it's Harrison Ford and it's kind of beautiful. This I'm I'm actually kind of stunned that he's in this documentary giving interviews. Uh, apparently it is currently out on Disney Plus. I I was just kind of stunned to be like, wow, Harrison Ford actually sat down and willingly talked about himself. He's generally been a fairly humble dude and his career and how his career took off is, is one that I think is really interesting to learn about because he almost didn't become Harrison Ford. He, he almost pursued a career in like carpentry or something. It was, it was pretty impressive. So I'm looking forward to this. You know, they got Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, basically anybody and everybody who was instrumental in his career is there. Uh, looks like a really good documentary and I plan on catching it. Tony, what say you? Yeah. I wish I knew this was out. I might've watched it yesterday. Um, but it, it, I was, I was not interested when I saw the title uh, I thought it was an Indiana Jones kind of thing, and it wasn't. It was more of a Harrison Ford thing, like you said. So I was really, really happy to see it uh, look like it was more of a just a documentary about how Harrison Ford got going. And like you said, yeah, you, you, you learned some things in the trailer already that really interest you um, in how, like, they say he already had kind of a life that he had living uh, before, and then he met George Lucas and, and Steven Spielberg before they were really gigantic stars. And the three of them just clicked, you know, and, and they're right. Harrison Ford is iconic when you consider all the things he's done. Um, and even if you took away Indiana Jones and Star Wars, 
there's still a Hall of Fame career, if you will, uh, as far as acting goes there. So definitely looks extremely interesting. Um, possibly he, he is the most interesting man in the world. He might be. DJ, your thoughts on this trailer? Did you have a chance to catch it? And I, I did. I didn't even know this was a thing until you sent the trailer. I'm excited for it. I've, I've rocked with Harrison Ford for a long time, uh, including some of uh, what people would consider maybe the doldrum years. Uh, you know, I enjoyed Six Days, Seven Nights, uh, What Lies Beneath, and uh, Air Force One. Uh, you know, aside from the other, you know, body of work that he's done. So I'm really looking forward to this. And if they handle it with the same care that they handled the ILM document documentary on Disney Plus, I think it's going to be really good. Well, and I think the thing with the, the thing I've found with Disney, when they make their own documentaries about their own properties or like, and they own both Indiana Jones and they own Star Wars. I think this will, I think this will be a loving tribute to Harrison Ford. Uh, I, it's fascinating because Harrison Ford actually for the last few years, I don't think he has to, he, he does anymore. He would pass through my neck of the woods because I, one of his children went to school at Amherst College which is next to the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And so every time that him and Callista Flockhart would drop their kid off for school, he would stop at a local, they would stop at a local restaurant somewhere and they would make like all the local news that Harrison Ford was in town. Favorite non-Star Wars Indiana Jones um, Harrison Ford movies. Were those yours, DJ? Uh, no, I'd have to say my favorite, believe it or not, was regarding Henry. Okay. I have a soft spot in my heart for regarding Henry. I thought it was a very good role, very well done, and yeah. I would say um, The Fugitive and Patriot Games are right up there for me. Uh, I'm going to go with a rom-com, Working Girl, with <laughs> Melanie Griffith and Sigourney oh, yeah. Weaver. With Melanie Griffith oh. and Sigourney Weaver. And uh, one of my favorite lines of all time, last night it was all lust and tequila. It's a it's a very good it's an underrated movie, won an Academy Award for best song, so and was also I also distinctly remember because the VHS had the original Simpsons uh, short the the Family Portrait Simpsons short aired and played in front of the movie, so good good stuff there, Ray it looks like you're getting set up as you're getting in there, um, don't know if you had a chance to check out this first trailer did you have a check out chance to check out the trailers today. No, sir, I have not. You're fired. Anyway. It's cool. Me. I'm, I'm trying to be a team player and make the show. I really shouldn't be on here today. It's all right. It's all right. Um, the funny thing was, this is like the earliest I've gotten the rundown out in a long time. I got out like mid-morning like kind of mid or early afternoon. I get like more time, and it's like, no, we couldn't catch it. Uh, again, we all we all know that Tony just needs something for breakfast on Sunday, so that's 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 what we know. It needs Thank to be you. done. Thank you. Uh, okay, well let's move let's move on to our next trailer. Uh, this is an upcoming series on Peacock. We are doing a prequel of the Seth MacFarlane films Ted series of the same name, following the Mark Wahlberg character when he's in high school. I, I have I have a confession, guys. I don't care about this series at all. And I think Seth MacFarlane is one of the more overrated people in entertainment these days. And that he is, um, what is it? <laughs> oh, I thought you pissed Ka- Ray off. 
I was about to say you chased Ray off with no, that. No, I think he switched from no, his no, phone he, to his PC. He, he switched from his phone to his PC because he's a professional. He's he's getting he's getting the good gear going. Reverend Raymond Raymond S. Cashington, the nine hundred and seventy seventh. Wow. So welcome. A lot. Been busy the past couple of weeks, apparently. Fucking rabbit. Well, you know, it was he, he he was down a little bit. Like we were in the millions for a while. We're we're down. If you just indulge me, just say since I haven't had uh, the proper chance to say it. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all. Excellent. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Always great to have you on here as one of the OGs in the bandwagon. So I've seen Ted one. I never saw Ted two. Honestly, the reason I enjoyed Ted one is because of our our favorite sci-fi movie by Dino De Laurentiis, the Flash Gordon love that is shown in that movie. Flash Gordon. Uh, Ray Cash's favorite movie of all time. He's seen it as many times as we've recorded this podcast, according to Ray. So, so I like, I don't, I don't know guys, you got, you're going to have to sell me on whether you want to see this or not, or watch it. It's on Peacock. It's going to be R rated. They made it very, very clear in the trailer. Um, But I'm passing on this because it doesn't look like it's bringing anything to the table that's particularly new or interesting to me and it kind of just feels like everything that seth mcfarland has cranked out lately so that's my take we'll start with dj this time your thoughts on the ted trailer and and seth mcfarland in the interest of furthering our little personal rivalry here i'm going to one-up you and tell you that i have no interest and that i've never seen ted one or two I, I can't even blame you for that. Like, I, I can't even fight with you. Wow. Like, it's a red letter like, day here. It is. It is a banner day. Um, is it a is it a threefer? PC Tunny? I mean, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't know if I... Yeah, I think I saw the second one. I'm not necessarily looking to watch this as a series. I'm sure people will watch it. It seems like it's more or less going for a older teenager crowd as well um considering that you know they're in high school and things of that nature so i bet if you watched it you'd laugh but i wish he would have rather spent his time on doing more seasons of the orville right which i've heard is good stuff that's good if you've never seen it it's pretty good yeah so i mean it looks funny not for me probably won't watch it don't have time for another series fair enough ray seth mcfarland tired or wired hi ray i like Seth. Hey, hey, Tony. Hey, hey, boo. Um, uh, no, I like Seth MacFarlane. I, I think um, in a world where our humor has changed dramat- dramatically, he is one of the last vestiges of kind of older humor. Shut up, Alexa. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she's always listening, man. Just listening, dog. I'm telling you. Um, so, and I, I, I really enjoyed Ted One. Half of Ted Two is fantastic. The other half is like waste of my fucking time. Um, I'm not interested in this show only because number one, there's no reason for it. Content is king, right? Peacock needs content. McFarland, whatever you or I or anybody may think of him is a guy who has a lot of gravitas when it comes to being a showrunner and a creator. And I'm not going to say Ted or Peter Griffin, but that voice is one of the more unmistakable voices in Hollywood. So to use it to his advantage in a, in a series, I think behooves Peacock. People will watch it. 
I'm interested into it because only because the trailer wasn't super funny to me, and like you can only do so much fart joke, virgin joke, sex joke. That's I can only do that so much. Yeah, that 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 was, and that's been my problem with a lot of McFarland's shows is that they they seem to have just hit this wall. And maybe I should give Orville a chance. Like I, I don't know, I I might I might see if I can give it a go. In the middle of Brooklyn Nine Nine right now, we just finished season three, so. Having having a good time with that with the little doubt. We'll, we're gonna stick with that. One uh, of the best sitcoms that's happened in our generation. Andre Brower Isn't plays one of the most underrated characters of all time. That dude is ridiculous. Especially you get into later seasons and they actually kind of give away some of his tells and some of the things that he does extraneously because of his personality. So it's it's amazing. I am thrilled to hear that. That was, anyway, that was, I got it. Yeah, that was yeah. I knew what you. I got it. Well done. Yeah. I feel him very much. I feel him very much. So, all right, well, let's move on to another trailer. Uh, so some folks were more excited about to see. We got our first look at the spinoff film from the Mad Max Fury Road film, Furiosa, starring Anna Taylor Joy as a young Furiosa. We have Chris Hemsworth in a role known as Dementis. And that's really about all we know. We saw a lot of desert car chases and an angry woman large, largely abused by the the post-apocalyptic environment and world she lives in. Uh, she was the break, you know, Charlize Theron was the was really the bigger talk of the town out of the Mad Max Fury Road film. And so it made sense for a Furiosa movie to be made. It sounds like something that folks will pay to see. Um, will that be me? I don't know that it'll be me, but I'm also not a particularly huge Mad Max fan. Like, I appreciate the franchise, but it's not necessarily something I've gone out of my way to seek until it reaches my living room. So, with that said, I feel like I'm the bad news bearer, the Debbie Downer, on the old trailer front today in the trailer park because I, I think this, it, oddly enough, it just looks a little too much like Mad Max Fury Road, and for me to be like, I don't know, if I want to see this. So that's my feelings. DJ, we'll let you kick this one off this time. Furiosa, uh, uh, a Mad Max saga. Uh, I definitely I liked what I saw. I love the aesthetic. I enjoyed Fury Road, and this just seems to. I, I understand and agree with what you're saying. It does kind of just feel like Fury Road Part Two. Um, me, I'm a big fan of characters, and I'll watch a mediocre movie if it's got characters in it that have a backstory that I want to know about or a forward story that I want to follow. Um, I kind of question why they didn't get Charlize back for a, a spinoff movie and why they're going with a prequel instead of a continuation. I'll take what I can get. It looks it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Fury Road had one of the most badass moments I've seen in film with a flame base wielding metal head strapped to the front of a freaking semi truck was the most metal thing I've ever seen in my life. So I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Mr. Tony. 3D. <laughs> it did watching the trailer, though, it it it, it um, seemed like a big benefit of going to see this in the movie theater would be the sound more than anything, uh, because the action looks amazing. Uh, the story, I'm not so familiar with it. 
I do enjoy myself some Anya Taylor-Joy, and, and having Hemsworth there as the bad guy means that they probably expect to do some numbers with this, but it's just not. I don't... I, I don't have time for another streaming series. I don't have time for another, you know, alternate reality in which, you know, it's Mad Max territory. Oh, I, oh no, I just, no, 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 no. This, is, this isn't an alternate reality. This is post-apocalyptic. Get it right. But I'm talking about gonna, all the gotta, different... If you're going to be a nerd, speak our language. I'm talking about another show, and that show's reality. That's what I'm talking about. Not an alternate reality gotcha. within Mad Max, but, you know, on top of... Uh, whatever series we're watching and five hours of wrestling and every other thing that's stacked up from Netflix to Paramount plus this one, isn't going to make the cut. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Ray, any interest in the Furiosa film? So I want you to bear with us for just a second, because I'm going to make an analogy that's going to make all of you roll your eyes, but work with me. here. I think they could take, I think Mad Max, the, the franchise as it's been so perfectly and admirably rebooted with the with Fury Road needs to take a page from Fast and the Furious. What I mean is Fast and the Furious has and always will be revolved around the idea of racing cars. But they've 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 um kind of transformed it to the point where racing cars is still a part of the franchise, but that's not what the movies are about anymore. So the people who still like the racing part, that's always going to be part of that. But they've added extra things and extra places and extra storylines and story arcs. Patrick said it perfectly. This looks just like Fury Road, just with a younger Furiosa. Why do I want to see that? Like, Charlie's killed as that role. It needs, I need to see something different than that because the same, the same races, the same dude talking while they're driving, the same person locked up just like Max was, it's the same movie, just with a different lead. If there was a different plot revolving around the actual arc of post-apocalyptic and person sold into slavery, then maybe there would be something there for me to grab. But there's nothing there for me to grab that I would want since I've seen Fury Road. And that's disappointing because Furiosa as a character can and should be huge. But you don't want to see an origin on that character? You don't want to see what her motivations are? You know, how she evolved into, because I feel this is the vibe that I'm getting from this. How did she get there? That's the journey that I'm going on. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting from that trailer. I, I want to see that. The, the, the problem is, if her origin is exactly like Max's, then why do I care? There needs to be a, di- a differential. Something needs to be well, different. I, 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 I'll be interested. Like I said, I'll probably see this when this hits streaming like i'll probably see this in my house like I, I won't get that i won't get that theater experience that tony's describing there i agree i think in terms of like scope and sound like seeing it on a big screen is going to be the win and it's why i pound the pavement for go you know when dune when the second part of dune comes out go see it there because that's where you need to see a movie like that a movie i saw this past weekend should only be seen in a theater or should be seen in a theater to truly be appreciated. We'll get to that with, with what you're watching, but I don't think that the origin is going to be the same. I, in general, I'll, and this is my own bias. So I want to own this. I'm not a prequel guy. I've really come to understand that I'm not a prequel guy because mm. I, like, 
I, I, I know it's right. Like whether it came from the Star Wars prequels, um, the Harry, like I enjoyed the Harry Potter stuff, right? Don't did not care for the Dumbledore prequel stuff. Like why? Like I didn't want that. I didn't need that. I wasn't down for it. Is that the Fantastic um, Beasts? Yeah. Yes. Limited yeah, those are Harry. Yeah, no, it's a completely different series. Completely different series. It all blends together in one mishmash right. in my head. Right. Well, I'm just right. making sure I'm thinking the same stuff. And, and I and I kind of wanted to see, and I will also put myself in the camp of I'm probably more interested in this if we had continued with what happened with Furiosa after Fury Road, as opposed to how she became who she was. Like, and I'm not saying that won't be a, a good story. It might be. It just doesn't capture my attention the way I think the other story would. And that may be what they call playlist mentality, all of that. But that's, you know, that's kind of where I fell in that little spectrum. So I think it's going to make a plenty of money. I think it's going to do well. There's a ton of Furiosa fans out there that are like, sign me the fuck up, and they're going to do it. All right. Let's move into video game territory. We got our first look at the trailer for the television, Amazon Prime streaming television adaptation of the video game Fallout. Looks like a pretty cool post-apocalyptic take on the famous RPG game of the same name. I was never a fan of, of the Fallout RPG games, namely because I was terrible at them. Never played them. Yeah. Did DJ, are you the same? Yeah, it was terrible. I have uh, Fallout 4 has been sitting in my queue for, I downloaded it on the PS4. I played it a little bit. I have not transferred it to the PS5, mainly because I got fucking frustrated with it. So. Do you? Do you? I, I love the aesthetic of the game. I absolutely yes. love it. It's breathtaking. The gameplay, I cannot get into. I was going to say, part of the reason maybe I've never played it was because I was a Half-Life kid growing up. I grew up in Half-Life. I feel like they're very similar. They are. My thing, so I'll own that a big part of this is just the type of game I like to play. I I have long been a sports game guy mm-hmm. and a turn-based RPG guy, which I know is not for everyone. It's why I love, it's part of the reason why I love the Baldur's Gate 3 game so much, because it is it is a turn-based RPG on all of the crack. Just all of it. Just in there. It's so great. And yes. And they keep updating the game and changing it. And it's so awesome with the way that they fix bugs and add layers to the story. Fallout 3, or I think Fallout 3 was the one that came with the system I bought. Like I, I played it. The the growing your character and the abilities piece of it was fun like that little bit of world building but when it came to that first person perspective and turned almost into a shooter i i suck at those games i don't like those games it's not fun to me and it lost me quick like i tried a few missions was like this is just not what i want to do so i i don't play the series as dj sort of laid out there it looks pretty true to the video game and, and looks like good set pieces, great characters. We got to see that big mech armor that's so popular from the game. Uh, you get to see mutated creatures galore. That looks neat. Um, I, I have a question. Yep. When did Winnie Parker get back to acting? Uh, I don't know. Winnie Fallout. Parker from the from the Wonder Years. What's her name? Danica McKellar. 
Wasn't that who that was? Oh, she's done. She's done some she's stuff. Done stuff. Yeah, she's done some stuff here and there. Isn't that who? But, that, uh, that's not her. That's that's who that is in the in the show, isn't it? Or is it somebody different? No, it's somebody different. Oh, pretty sure it's somebody different. They look just the fuck alike. Well, she's busy doing um, Hallmark esque holiday. You know, I knew that because my mom asked me about her a couple months ago. Yes, you're right. I swear to God, I thought that was Danica McKellar. She's she's really, she's, 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 she's very busy. Yeah, she's very busy being a, a a corporate businesswoman in love with a Wall Street boyfriend who falls in love with the bookshop owning small town rugged dude in flannel. Oh no, the most That's, recent one was she was the she was the 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 nanny for the the king's daughter whose wife died, then fell in love with the king. It, yeah, it's it's some bullshit. Jeez, I'm already confused. Keep getting them checks. Keep getting them checks, indeed. So um, I'm looking to see. Might have been Ella Purnell that you saw. The the first lady that comes out. Yeah, I think that's Ella Purnell. Well, well, you know what? Shout Shout out to Amazon for using actors and actresses. Well, actors, I'm sorry. Just that we don't know. That's that's how you build them up. Because a show like that's going to get viewership. Yeah, it also has Walton Goggins as the ghoul, and his makeup looks fucking great. So be ready, be ready for that. Some good stuff going on there. Um, Tony, any interest in checking out Fallout on Amazon Prime? No. Amazon. None, really. Um, That's fair. Because I'm gonna is, I'm gonna actually turn it over to you. This is Dave's it is Dave, and Dave. This was a. Yeah. It's funny, Dave. Not here for I, the show. Keeps sending us trailers for us to cover. I'm like Patrick, though. I've like played a lot of sports games. Um, and then once I did get into kind of a shooter, it was Fortnite for the most part, and that's third person, so that's much different than the first person stuff. So. Very yeah. very true. But you know what? I am going to turn this over to you for the next trailer because you have been banging the drum oh. for House of the Dragon. Yeah. Since it came out Mm -hmm. and we got our first look at season two. It's only a minute and a half of a trailer, but you got it. I have not watched season one, so I have no, I have no, I have no frame of reference to talk about season two. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I did watch Game of Thrones. Okay. So when House of the Dragon came, was coming out and being someone that's watched the Game of Thrones series, like, as it came out every Sunday night, you know, and then went back and watched the series uh, two more times. This is really a great spot to go ahead and go with after that, because I was really hesitant about House of the Dragon. And that first season was amazing. And that first season really sets up the history between the war that we're about to witness. And what we're trying to do is show you why there was only two Targaryens left when Game of Thrones started. And it's because all these years ago, there was this battle of dragons and why there were no dragons really left either. So we're kind of getting answers to what we saw to start with, but they come from the past. Now, personally, I wanted to see what was west of Westeros with Arya uh, afterwards, because I was like, damn, you know, I really like that character. Um, that seemed like a really good thing, but I think we can do that later on as she gets older as well. I think that could be really cool. But season two is going to be excellent. They set the backstory. I know they did the time jump in the middle of season one 
but I think we're going to get a lot of battles, a lot more action, and it's going to be a lot faster paced in a much shorter period of time, unlike season one. Um, yeah, that's what I got. I, I believe DJ also watched Game of Thrones. I don't know if Ray did. No, and DJ... Yeah. Ray, giving the big no. DJ, DJ. You've, you've seen the first season of House of the Dragon, correct? I, I did, I did. How we did you, absolutely loved it. How did you feel, though, going into it? Like, having watched Game of Thrones, it sounds like you are probably were a big fan like I was. Like, were you skeptical? Because I was like, I gotta watch this. I don't know if it's gonna be good, and it, it fucking delivered for me. I gotta preface this with saying, uh, kind of piggybacking on something Patrick said a minute ago about not being a big fan of prequels. I think sometimes, because I'm the same, I'm not a, I've watched a lot of prequels and I've enjoyed certain prequels that I've watched. In general, I'm not because I'm that kind of fan who has an idea. If I'm watching a show and they reference things that have in the past, I kind of fill in the blanks and have my own version of what may have happened. And then when you do a prequel and you show me what actually happened, it kind of screws up what I had in my own head and it tends to mess with my enjoyment of this. I was a little worried that this might happen with House of the Dragon because they, you know, they reference it in Game of Thrones. We love Game of Thrones. I'll even, while I understand the criticisms people had of the final season, I'll defend it to the death for, you know, a bunch of reasons. So, but that being said, it's Game of Thrones. I love the series. I love the aesthetic. I love the sword and sorcery gimmick, you know, so I was looking forward to it. Season one was incredible. Little, little slow. Like Tony said, there was a lot of story. They had to build a lot of things. There was a lot of character, character building. And the time jump about halfway through was a little odd, but it made sense by the time they concluded it. I'm, I'm ready for season two, man. I'm like, I'm gonna have to go back and watch season one again, just to, just to prep myself for it. Hey, you, hey, Patrick. If you want to do a podcast on it, DJ, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's mark that. A- ask me what I think about about. Um, He's going to start telling Dragon. you a story ask about Cristobal here, so don't even. No, no, on. I promise you, I won't. Ask me. I promise you. Ask me. Ask what I think. What do you think of Game of Thrones? <laughs> Hold on. We can. I, can we just celebrate Patrick O'Dowd? I I just like to celebrate Patrick O'Dowd sometimes because I. I and I am a Patrick O'Dowd fan of when he works, and I get to watch him work because he's so good at just transitioning. He's like, he went into ER right there. He was like Patrick. Oh, I don't know, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I'm sorry. I guess I'm sorry. if I'm you sorry. want to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you got to ask me again because Tony killed my bit. So again, I ask. Don't worry about Ray, it. Man. What it's do okay. you think just, of Game of Thrones? That's okay. That's okay. Just forget. <laughs> I, I had a boo. I had a boo ready for you too. Like I was, I was at the ready. Just forget it. It's, 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 it's did, I, did I make? Did, did I make you laugh so hard you cried a little? though? because that, that's, that's a, that's a joke. Apparently, 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 Teddy. Yes, Teddy's over there crying. Biggest Patrick O'Dowd fan in, in the business. Hey, you know, everybody's a mark for somebody. Anyhow. Let's head into another trailer that we're all very excited about, that we're all highly anticipating. The Boys. Finally. We got our first look at The Boys, season four. And first of all, next year's an election year. And what are we doing in the midst of The Boys season four but having an election of some sort? Jeez Louise. It's like... They planned this shit, fellas. 
Uh, I mean, I'm ready for I'm always ready for more of of the boys. Give me all of it. I the deep for me though, the deep lovingly hold, touching the aquarium while an octopus reaches back. Peak peak boys. Um uh, Ray, I think you shared this trailer first, so I'm gonna give you the floor since you shared this. I just how I know you're psyched for this one. I'm psyched for this one. I think everybody yes. in this room is psyched for this one. Tell us how psyched you are. Well, first, has everybody in this on this call seen um, seen uh, Gen V? No, have not. But that's okay. Well, then it's really hard for me. Well, it was really hard for me to talk about what I want to talk about because there's a Gen V. Go ahead, sp- sp- no. spoil it away. You're not going to no. spoil anything. I'm watch, I don't want it. Spoiled. I'm going to watch it eventually, but well, then you mute yourself and walk out of the room. Take your headset off, big baby. I'll text you. I got his number. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, now, spoil it. Spoiler alert, those who haven't watched Gen V. So, Tony, uh, I will text you when it is time. <laughs> so, Victoria Singer is running for, for some type of office. I'm imagining president. The whole entirety of what Gen V is really about is actually that Godolphin, the Godokian University is actually a front to learn about the superheroes and then figure out who who's who coming up next. They have a secret underbelly called the woods where they take the really dangerous ones and they test them or they or they use them to augment other people's powers or whatnot. Victoria Singer is working on a not Victoria Singer, the um the lady who's over um the school is working on a uh not a cure, but but like a, a a virus to kill all the superheroes. Her her daughter and her husband were on the plane that Homelander dropped and destroyed. So and she figured out. Well, you, I guess it came out, but you know, so she has worked for years to get back and kill all the superheroes. The kids at God You figure this out amongst a bunch of other things and hijinks. And go to try to tell Victoria Singer. That's what Victoria Singer tells the main black chick with the blood powers. We have the same power. I've been following you the whole time. And so the black chick, that's how she's able to pop the heads. Because they have the same power. They both can control blood. So the black chick tells the girl, tells Victoria Singer everything that she knows. So Victoria Singer says, I got it from here. And she goes and gets all of the information. She gets the 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 um, virus, all of that, and then pops homie's head, and then that's it. And then nice. Homelander comes because everybody from the woods comes out. They let him out, and they start killing everybody. The good people, the bad people, everybody. Home they and uh, they call Homelander to come save them, and the kids from God You are trying to save everybody and stop the kids from the woods. And Homelander stops and it gets mad at the kids from God You, saying, you don't ever attack another superhero. What's wrong with you? And Homelander blasts the ever-loving shit out of the black girl. And next thing Damn. you know, next thing you know, we wake up and those four kids who were basically trying to save everything are in the woods, in, in a new form of the woods. And the very last thing you see is Butcher walking in the woods, like, huh, this is interesting. And then we get to this. 
So like literally everything that happened in God You and, and, and Gen V is relevant because Victoria Singer took what she did there and now was running for president. So it's kind of cool to see how it all matters. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Homelander really don't give no fucks no more. And it's, I think his son is going to be the most interesting character in the whole new new uh, season. But who the black chick that he talking to about Empire is Falling? Who is she? I want to know who she is. Because he seems like he trusts her. Homelander don't trust her. I don't know. I, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot out there that I don't know. So... And is and and are we having a uh save the save the um the the Steve Rogers thing? Are we doing that with them because they got the fake Mave and then Soldier the fake... Boy? Yeah, I'm 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 yeah. here for that too because you know Camp and Ham is always fun when done right. It, I'm just so ready right. for it, dog. The worst part about the, the worst part about the whole trailer though is at the end, coming soon. Bitch, give me a date. Give me a. I season. need more. I need more time if I'm gonna get. Gen V in, so I appreciate that I don't have a date. I'm telling you, I, Patrick, I have time. You, I have time to work. When you start it, you will April. not want to stop. Just April. like you did when you started Balder Balder Dash Three. When you started three. that, I Cannonball, promise you. When you're watching Cannonball Run, it's Patrick. that good. It's that good, bro. Cannonball Gen V is fantastic. Run. Stop it, DJ. I'm, I'm passing the floor to you because Tony uh, is insolent. I'm hoping that this isn't coming out for a while because I'm on season one, episode two of The Boys. Um, it's just been one of those things where I it's kind of a, been a round to it type of thing. I've been interested in it. I've wanted to watch it. And now DJ's done. We'll go to PC Tutty because DJ, you have been muted for your lack of attention to The Boys. Whew. I can't wait. I mean... It's the boys. In this room, huh? That's all. That's all. All you really need to say is, I can't wait to continue watching the boys. That's how good this has been. We haven't. We haven't had one bad thing to say about this entire series. I don't think. Right. Like, and that's fucking. No, it's been. So it's been rare. a lot of fun. That's so rare for us because there are even series where we enjoy like three plus seasons of it and now could give a shit about the last six episodes. Uh, see key lock in. Well, <laughs> Doom Patrol's getting there for see, me as Doom well. See Doom Patrol for Tuddy. Yeah, Tuddy is I, really well, soured on Doom Patrol. It's better than lock and key. No one, no one will ever defeat that embarrassment of a finish. That got but, bad. Yeah. That got, that got bad. Uh, but I'm just, I can't wait. You know, I mean, there's certain things that are just, you know, are going to deliver and, I think the biggest thing you can say is everybody who's a fan knows this is going to deliver. I agree. DJ, to jump back in, you do have to unmute yourself. I cannot unmute you. But I do pass out mutes as punishment left and right. I'm sure you've heard me do this to Tony in the past. Well, I have. I consider it a success. I told you at the top of this show that I had a couple of things in mind. One was to co-host with Tony again, and another (laughs) one was to piss off Patrick O'Dowd. I have successfully... Managed both of oh, those. Oh no! This has been a you, good you, afternoon. You you mis you you mistake my indifference towards you for anger. Like don't no no like that's not Damn. that's not how this works here. Like <laughs> you mistake my indifference for anger. He just called you irrelevant. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, wow. I'm, I'm basically the Doctor Doom of the Chair Shot Radio Network, so <laughs> might as well live the gimmick. Um. As it is, yes, this looks like it'll be it's just a continuation of something we've we thoroughly enjoyed and loved here on this program. We will of course cover it 
on this program when it drops, but we got time. Well, uh, we'll have one, to... more, one more thing, Professor. Yeah, sorry. Um, take your headphones off. It's one more Genevieve thing, Tony. They were planning on, they had promoted people to the new sets, new people to the seven in Gen V. And the dude who had got promoted was the main character, Golden Boy, who ended up dying, killing himself at the end of the first episode. So ah, then, got you. So um, there's the, the characters who are in the woods. The black girl, there's a black dude whose dad was Polarity, Sean William Scott, the black, the, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, um, uh, they're gone. So right now, the seven, as we know it, is still what is it? Four people now. Starlight's gone. So it's Homelander. Yeah. It's deep. A Train made it back, even though he faked his way back, and that's it, isn't it? Now. Yeah, because I don't even know what's what's going on. With, what's her name? Um, Maeve Whit. Yeah, may have quit too. So. Well, no we'll one's see. quit, but they they she lost her powers and they think she's dead. She's not, right. but they think she is. Right. So we'll we'll see what happens there. It's gonna be exciting, exciting stuff. All right. We are I'm actually gonna call an audible. We're gonna do our second commercial break now. That was quite a trailer park. When we come back, we will hit news around the nerdosphere because I think we have three really good topics to cover this week in the news around the nerdosphere and we're going to give that all to you when we come back you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chairshot radio network part of the chairshot.com promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services use the promo code chairshot to save 10 percent that's angrylemonade.net TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of TheChairShot.com. Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tunney, DJ Ray Crash. Ray, Ray Cash, not Ray Crash. Ray, Ray Crash, baby. Ray, no, Ray Crash. That's, that's what I, I felt like I said, which I was worried actually happened. On, on the way into the show <laughs> with those phone angles, I was concerned. I, I as much as I say that I can't stand Ray Cra- Ray Crash. God damn it! Now it's stuck. Now it's stuck. Jesus. Are you changing uh, my name on the chair shot? Is the, have you just renamed me? Re- the Reverend Raymond S. Crashington Esquire, the nine hundred seventy seventh. Yeah, it's not gonna work. No, I don't. I don't even like it. I don't like it, and I said it, so I can't run with that. But we um we are here. Again, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Invest in some chair shot swag. Get that shirt. Get the next Bandwagon Nerd shirt, and we will thank you publicly on the show using whatever alias or screen name you would like, so long as it is not, you know, Ray. If Ray buys a shirt, we're not going to thank him. I'll shop my damn self out. I'm on the show. Which was why you should have a damn shirt. Who says I don't? Who says you do? Is it with your copy of Flash Gordon? Sitting right next to you. I'm not going to be disrespecting <laughs> the fact that I've seen this movie 55,000 times, okay? You're going to need to understand. Me and Ming the, Ming and the Barbarian, the, the faces of fear. We out here chilling. <laughs> enjoying the hell out of this movie, bro. So I'm to Zathura and beyond, okay? 
Respect Kids, the movie. We made it one hour and 11 minutes without a straight up pro wrestling reference on the show. Almost a new record here on the bandwagon. I do appreciate that this is a thorough reference to them. That is digging into the well just Thank a little bit uh, for those of you who only watched Jumanji. All right. We have quite a few pieces of news around the Nerdosphere. I'm going to start with an article I shared that I was surprised got the negative response that it got because it was revealed that Rob Reiner is taking up the director's chair once again with his original cast of the beloved documentary, mockumentary documentary, cult classic, This Is Spinal Tap, to give us a sequel. It will star the original actors, Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, and Harry Shearer as the members of Spinal Tap, alongside Rob Reiner as the documentarian Marty DeBerge, following the band as they try to do their farewell tour of the uh, um, the Last Waltz or something like that. Or no, it's supposed to be in the style of the Last Waltz, like the uh, Scorsese um, documentary of the Canadian rock group, the band. But it's it's the Spinal Tap guys doing their their final um, their final their farewell tour, and when I saw this dropped, I immediately was like, I I'm I'm in one thousand percent. I love this is Spinal Tap, and before I decry those of you that are against it for the idiots that you are, uh, who here has actually seen the movie This Is Spinal Tap? Be honest, no no lies. If you haven't seen it, don't don't raise your hand. Nobody is raising their hand. I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen. I've heard. I've heard the music. Of I have all, not watched the film. Of all the people, I thought would have seen this. I actually did not have high hopes on Ray or Tunney. I thought for sure this would be okay. So I've seen this AJ movie Styles was made in 1983. Tap. What's that? I've seen AJ Styles with Spinal Tap. Yeah, no, not that. And now one hour, about, 13 minutes, and 47 seconds. <laughs> We got our second pro wrestling reference because now, now that the floodgates have opened, I cannot accept, uh, escape this inexorable hell that is the constant wrestling on the Popular Culture Podcast. Anyway, this is Spinal Tap. Okay, so it is a mockumentary where Rob Reiner's director is following around this. Yes, we honey? we know what it is. We just have. Yeah, I, I'm well aware of what it is. No, no, you're stuck getting the recap because you idiots haven't seen the movie. God damn. So just lift up. Yeah, God damn it. Oh, my gosh. It's like I love the show. <laughs> Holy shit. What's going on? There you go. I've missed this. Notice so I still haven't thrown a phone. I'm glad I came on this episode. So anyway, but the the so they're following around this rock group that is trying to that is kicking off a world tour. And it's it's a band that's already an aging rock band. They're they 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 were originally. It's just one of these things. It was really really smart because it mocked so many famous bands at the time. Like it mocked the Who, it mocked the Beatles. It, it, like the British Invasion story is great. Their drummers keep dying in mysterious ways throughout the whole thing. Everything goes wrong at every con- like my favorite moment 
of the, there's a lot of famous stuff. There's like famous lines, stuff people. But at one point, they're they're trying to do this. They have this song that's very Led Zeppelin like, like full of like. If for anybody who knows Zeppelin, like they always have like these weird like songs about the fairyland and like mysticism and the druids and stuff. So they're talking about doing they have a similar song and they want to drop during their show this massive Stonehenge replica that is danced around by elves and dwarves and the like. And so they draw the plans for this Stonehenge on a napkin and they give it to someone who reads the napkin wrong. And instead of it being, they, they read the measurements wrong. And so they only make it 24 inches tall instead of 24 feet tall. And this tiny Stonehenge <laughs> drops down to the middle of the stage and this dwarf comes out and starts dancing around. It. It's pretty. <laughs> ridiculous it's hilarious they have these cool pods that are supposed to open up for one of the tunes and they all come out and they're supposed to be badass harry shears gets stuck he's the bass player and he's just stuck inside the pod for the entire thing if you listen to any metal band from that time they talk about how hard it hit close to home when shit goes wrong on the road for them because like every piece of this is it is something going wrong in the world. They get lost backstage for one of their own concerts and they keep running into the same backstage custodian to direct them along. I feel like this movie is ripe to be made when you have so many of these famous iconic rock bands doing their quote unquote farewell tour kiss just wrapped up their quote unquote farewell tour. And so many of these bands have had farewell tour after farewell tour. Like the Rolling Stones have retired so many times. Um, I think this is beautiful. You're going to have 60-year-old rock stars trying to like reclaim their glory. And it's it's totally in sync with what's going on with those artists today. If this is done, and these guys are banger comedians. Michael McKeon, Harry Shear, Christopher Guest, Rob Reiner. They're brilliant comedians i think this is gonna work i think it's gonna be funny i think it's gonna be another cult classic i can't wait to get the double box set of the two because i will get it get it in physical media get me the special edition with the inserts and i hope they have great songs just like they did in the first one like lick my love pump that is the best song title ever gentlemen none of you have seen this movie so i know you don't really care but have I at least sold you on the possibility that this could be a good thing? I'll start and I'll say you have sold me on wanting to find and watch Spinal Tap. Just you the ridiculousness that you've laid out in the last seven minutes of that diatribe you went on makes me want to watch this film. And the soundtrack to the first one, which I have heard, was really good. Spinal Tap has the, the distinction of having one of my favorite all-time rock lyrics in the song Big Bottom. This is big bottom, big bottom. Talk about mud flaps. My girl's got them. Absolute yes. killer, killer lyric. So, yeah, it's I'll, I'll watch the first one, and then I'll probably definitely, at least on streaming, watch the second one. It's uh, they, uh, they're, The name of the album they're trying to get released is called Smell the Glove, and the album cover is like a naked woman on her hands and knees. And they're putting this glove in front of her face. Like she's a dog and Fran Drescher is their publicist. And she like nixes it. And so all they get is a black album cover and they just, 
it's they're so stupid. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> this one for anybody who's ever heard of the phrase "this one goes to 11, that comes from this is Spinal Tap because they're in Christopher Guest is the lead guitar and he's showing off all these guitars and he has a special amplifier made that goes to 11 and he's trying to explain to Rob Reiner that it's louder than 10 like you would get on most amps and Rob Reiner he just looks at him it's like well couldn't you just make 10 louder and Christopher Guest his character his mind is so blown he looks at him he's like but but this one goes to 11 like it's it's so funny it really is but none of you care and so I'm going to move on to the next topic if you haven't seen this is Spinal Tap noble listener Find it on streaming and watch it. It is 1,000%, especially if you are a metalhead. Like, if you love, like, heavy metal or hard rock, like that era from the 80s classic rock, it is absolutely worth the time and effort to seek out. With that said, I am now going to move into story number two, and that is that Avengers Kang Dynasty, which, by the way, I think it is important to note that we are still talking about a movie called Avengers Kang Dynasty, Jonathan Major's issues notwithstanding, has a new writer as Loki creator Michael Waldron has been tabbed to write Avengers the Kang Dynasty. And regardless of how you feel about the future of Marvel and where you're going, my initial opinion of this decision is this might be the right guy. Because who's written more about Kang than the creator of Loki? Or or the the multiverse in time. Exactly. And so I think this is a shrewd decision. I just hope it's not another situation where they're putting too much on one guy's plate. Um, I talked entirely too much in that last segment. So I'm going to hand it over to Ray first to, to comment on this article. And, and then Ray, Tony, then DJ. And this is one of those times where you're the, you're the boss. So, like, we joke a lot, but you can talk all you want. Um, I, I So I like the idea because, as Patrick alluded to, he knows the character. He knows the idea of the character and the environment in which the character is going to be in. He has gotten written gang so wonderfully. For those of us who may or may not have been a fan of him in Quantumania. Everybody's loved him and everything we've seen in the Loki show. Also, with Loki being the god of stories at the at the end of time, there might be a, a touch there. I have two questions about this. Number one, who's going to direct? And will the director um, be able to see the vision that old boy is doing, number one? Number two, my second question is... What is what is it has the the idea of the movie changed because the movie has it's been laid out to us, according to Feige and so many other people leaks or not, is that this is supposed to be the ultimate battle of all kings leading to them fixing all the problems that the kings did in Secret Wars with the with Battle World. Is that still going to be? the idea of the movie because again while this looks good for the inclusion of kang's and and not the exclusion of kang as a character i don't know if it looks good for the possibility of what all the kang's as a group could do and because from from every every leak i've read and 
reputable and not reputable, whatever, but they all tend to say the same one. Reputable ones and the non-reputable ones. People who are involved, people who are not involved, all seem to say the same thing. The Avengers supposed to lose. Again, when they fight all the Kangs. And then they gotta go back in time and go get the X-Men from Fox and Spidey, the Spideys and those guys from Sony and all the people, and it was supposed to be like a thank you to everybody who's ever had a movie under Marvel's purview. And then we move on after Battle World is over, right? That's why Hugh Jackman's back. That's why Toby and Andrew Garfield agreed to come back. That's why uh, Patrick Stewart out here talking again, hey, they call me. Like, that's why we're doing all this. That's why the rumors that isn't on the, it's not, it's, not substantiated yet because it's the kid who always leaks the stuff on Twitter. But he rewrite a lot. Daphne King as Laura Kinney. That's why those rumors are back, right? Um, I don't know, man. I'm excited for the dude. I'm excited for the prospect. But I need a little more concrete conversation on what is the goal and plan of this movie and this character. Because you can't have a Kang dynasty if you don't know what the fuck you're doing with Kang. And I think you're exactly right because they don't know what they're doing because I think they're keeping it fluid. Uh, we mentioned that the trial with Jonathan Majors just started this yeah. past week. And I think. And by the way, Tony, that may not be the be all end all for him. He could win the trial and still I, get kicked out. I understand. But from everything that I look at and kind of, you know, read the tea leaves, if you will, is they would like to continue with him as long as it's not made impossible to, right? Like, as long as he's not completely canceled, if, if, for lack of a better term, I think. And I think that's where they're going because it was set up so well. He's so great at it, but if they just can't do it because of what happens here legally and, and with this situation, they, they've left themselves outs. And who better to have themselves an out to, to kind of continue the story is, is the person who was doing the story to begin with they should have the best, you know, mindset on how do we get away from that and change that when we were so in. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of eggs in that basket, DJ. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Yeah, I think the key word here is continuity and, you know, the continuity of having the writer of Loki take over the writing duties of what's to come forward makes perfect sense. Um, I enjoyed Loki season two, and I enjoyed Jonathan Major's role in that. I, I think, uh, you know, whatever happens with the trial, I think it's a tragedy. If, if he ends up losing the role, I get it. I understand every reason why they would want to step away and distance themselves from that. I think it's a shame that if it happens, we won't get more from him because stripping everything else aside, he's been incredible. So, you know, you, you lose that, but, you know, Marvel's also in a difficult position where the next five, ten years is built on Kang. So I feel like, you know, moving forward and continuing to do Kang in some incarnation or another, whether they recast him or whatever they do makes perfect sense because that was the path you were set on. 
you can diverge slightly with a casting change or with something else, but you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. There, there's a lot of holes if you want to believe the rhetoric in the Marvel storytelling right now. And you've got a good opportunity here with the multiverse, with pulling in all these characters and with pulling the writers together to kind of fill those gaps and get the continuity back, back where it needs to be. I, I have a question for all y'all. Cause, and you actually alluded to it. Perfect synergy. Look at that. Hashtag journalism. Thank you, DJ. Speaking of the writers. The, all of our Avengers movies have been written by the same people. Josh wrote the first two. The Russo's wrote the second two. Do we need the synergy of homeboy Michael Waldron writing both this and Secret Wars? Is that important? Seeing as I think it is, if it all ties to the Kang Dynasty, yeah. Yeah, they're supposed to be directly tied to each other. Because the only movie that's in between, only thing supposed to be in between those movies is Fantastic Four. Right. I I agree. I think that having having that writer connect the you know having that writer be there as the bridge and writing the two of those uh you know it made it made way it made a ton of sense for the in game and infinity war because they're i mean infinity war and in game because they were same you know, literally one was a sequel yeah it was basically one giant movie uh, it'll be interesting to see what this is like tony go ahead uh, hey ray as long as there's enough executives there i think we're going to be okay Oh, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Nice foreshadowing, gentlemen. I, I mean, Tony, since you brought it up, Tony, let's I, dunk on. I, I couldn't resist on I'm sorry. Bob Iger. Uh, I couldn't resist. Let's dunk on Bob that. Iger, and we're gonna bon- dunk on David Zaslav, the two Bond villains of the entertainment industry. Kids, here's the thing. I don't want to say that these two are the only shitty evil CSO, CEOs in the entertainment industry, but they sure shoot and keep saying stuff to make it seem like they're the ones. Like the other, you may be a shitty evil CEO at say, I don't know, I don't know, pick one, TBS. Mm-hmm. Do we know who that is? No. So, so, so let's pick no. a, let's pick up like a fake station. You may be the CEO of CBN. No, anywhere. But that's my that's my point is WKRP. Yeah, you're WKRP. We know <laughs> Cincinnati. But that guy was fired after the turkey drop. Everybody knows that. Anyway, um, the, my point here is is that I'm sure other CEOs of our other fine um, entertainment industry, you know, world are, are out there. And are horrible and stupid, but they're not saying stupid things. And since Tony brought it up, we'll start with Bob Iger. And Barb Iger, Bob Iger did another interview where he said he thinks he knows. And this at IGN was a little generous because they were like, Bob Iger thinks he knows one of the reasons MCU's latest The Marvels has been disappointing at the box office. Not enough executives on set and the quote quality needs attention it doesn't happen by accident quantity in our case diluted quality it's just and and he goes further there wasn't as much supervision on the set so to speak where we have executives that are really looking over what is being done day after day after day 
what now? There. First of all, and we'll get into we can get into this. I don't want us to do a too big of a rigmarole as to why this current movie failed. There are multiple reasons why this movie failed. One being an audience bias and a critical bias towards the leads and performers. I do think, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic when it was being filmed had something to do with it. I do think this SAG after strike had something to do with it because you couldn't promote it the same way. Uh, There's a lot of things that really hurt the Marvels. Not enough executives on, on set seems like reason number 7,387,222 in the list of reasons this movie failed. DJ, I'll kick it off with you, then we'll go Ray, and then we'll go Tunny. I'll start off with a quote that my, my co-host Jason likes to use on our podcast. One, there's no ethical way to consume capitalism. Okay, no. unfortunately, that's just fact. There's no way to do it. So the, the enough executives on set is kind of nuanced because you can have not enough or you can have too many where's the balance if you don't have enough you you run the risk of people taking creative liberties and i feel like uh and i cannot pronounce his name the guy who did uh thor love and thunder and thor ragnarok taika waititi way too much way too little supervision on him way too much creative liberty given him and and i think that that's a problem we run into there i do not think that those reasons are why the marvels failed i agree with you patrick i think it failed for all the all the uh the the, the misogynistic reasons that you you laid out there without using the word um yeah but but too many like not enough executives like what does that even mean like were there an abundance of executives from Iron Man to Endgame that suddenly weren't on board? Like, did, did we just find, okay, we did great for the first 20 films. We can kind of wash our hands of it and walk away and, and let this right. thing kind of run on its own autonomously now? We're, was the problem that we didn't have enough executives to stop the movie from being edited the way that it was? Because my ultimate complaint with the Marvels is that it felt too damn short. Uh, it, it felt was. like it got it edited. Short. Right. And if and it and I felt it, like in my opinion, I really felt it. Um, so they that, didn't, I haven't seen it yet. So they haven't fleshed it out. They didn't flesh it out very well. It, and I would say that they didn't flesh it out very well. I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. I had a wonderful time. The little O'Dowd loved it. It was a lot of fun. But there were pieces of the film that felt less developed than others. Particularly, like there's this great story with Kamala Khan, um, Carol Danvers. And Monica Rambeau building a relationship between the three of them. And I actually wanted more time with the three of them together. You were I really wanted that. You were specifically disappointed with the amount of time it took them to learn how to use their abilities together because when they use them, they kind of transformed. And that like their knowingness of making that girl was so short in that movie. I, I think that was the worst was part right. about it. But, it was a montage. Yeah, it was a montage. Yeah. It was a very and, quick and all, montage. All of a sudden, they could work together like they'd been doing it forever, right? I agree with that. But everything else about that movie is so good. And the, the other one that Patrick pointed out, too, when we talked about it initially was the uh, the fact that Carol could have fixed the sun the whole damn time. You I, know? Right. I brought that There's up. Spoiler. Harold, yeah, oh, there may have been Utah, I'm sorry. But so was, much of the movie the... is showing that Carol's really the real bad guy because she's fucked everything up to the point she's in the position. And she just, instead of trying to fix it, was just chilling. 
well, what we Darbin's calling her the annihilator. We figured out in one little like off kilter comment like that could you could have given ten minutes to that. Um, can can I speak to my Caucasoid friends real fast, just for a second? My my friends of Caucasoid persuasion. Sure. One thing I like to say in the black community is often um, shoot the fair one or catch a fade, which means I'm I want to beat his ass. I want to fight this motherfucker because subtext matters, right? You're saying the the executive should have been around. Who was the who was the uh, director of this movie? Nia DaCosta. Nia DaCosta. Your first black female director. The fucking subtext is screaming, big dog. Yeah. You're not wrong. Come on, man. In a movie where everybody everybody knows that so much of the of, of the negative press or the negative viewership or whatever comes from, as you put so eloquently, the 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 racial, the Islamophobic, and extremely the sexist bias of the leads, right? Right. But the person who did the movie was a black woman. So you're telling us, what you're telling me is that when the black women come around, we don't do good. We need to have someone watch the black girl. Get the fuck out of here, bro. And the and the shitty, like, the, the way that they try, that there was, there was almost a campaign. I don't know if I'd call it a campaign. Maybe you would call it a campaign. Maybe I'm hedging as a white dude. Uh, with regards to, to, to Nia DaCosta's having to like move on to another project, which is not oh, yeah, uncommon, yeah. but they, there was like this, there was this like implication put out there that like she ran away from the project when it, it wasn't that at all. Like she didn't abandon the project. It was a scheduling conflict that she ultimately had to honor because the delays of making the Marvels bled into her next project. It wasn't like she said, I'm out. She had other contracts to go honor. But Dave you, you would have. What's that? Dave Golden got his best. Yeah, and it was like it, it was like one of these things where it was like, well, the movie doesn't feel this way because the director couldn't be there for the finish for reshoots, and it was like, no, you planned reshoots after she couldn't do it, and you knew she couldn't do it, and she had to come back and be like, look, I couldn't do it. I had to do it remotely or whatever. And 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 think about what that specific um, criticism was. She couldn't come back to do what, Patrick. To cut the movie. Oh, right. And then the movie was cut too short anyway. So I'm saying you're just throwing all the blame on her end. Right. Hey, come on, dog. Let's let's look. It, I I would respect Bob Iger so much if he said, yeah, the black chick fucked up. At least in, at least his opinion would have been there, right? Yeah. Oh, like, come on, man. Uh, honest racism and misogyny are more acceptable than veiled racism and misogyny. I, I will it's shake true. your hand, bro. I promise you I will. I may punch you afterwards, but at least I'll shake your hand. Because at least you want So it. so Tony, Tony I gotta ask you, do you want to fight Bob Iger? No. Why? Oh. What's your thoughts on this story though? That we didn't have enough executives. I sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm <laughs> totally against the big government, so that can just tell you where where I live. Um, these guys are just idiots. They'll say whatever they want. I mean, we George Santos got kicked out of his office. Maybe somebody else should change the locks on these guys' offices. I don't know. Shout out to Bowen Yang sure. doing George Santos last night. It was fantastic. 
as an This is a Saturday Night Live thing? Yeah, I got to catch yeah. up on that today. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. All right, let's get to our other favorite Bond villain in the uh, in the world of CEOs, because uh, David Zaslav, who in his interview, <laughs> oh god, um, it's so we're bad. Basic, we're basically he is saying that his decision to scrap movies from ever being put out there was brave. That, I mean, we're at a very hard time that requires hard decisions, and many of them are unpopular. If we were going to, if we were going to start today, what content do we need? What content is going to help us? How many people do we need? What should HBO look like? What should Warner Brothers look like? Uh, he just, he goes on forever, and basically says that it was that he had the courage if we produce a show a 100 million dollar movie we've spent the 100 million dollars and we don't release it it's gone we don't have any real benefit from it the question is should we take certain of these movies and open them in a theater and spend another 30 or 40 million to promote them they were hard but when i look at those at the health of our company today we needed to make those decisions and it took real courage. Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, I I sat here and bemoaned the bat. Like, like I was not heartbroken that bat Batwoman didn't get released. I, I or bad girl, my bad. Um like yeah, like I I Ray and I had words. <laughs> like Ray and I had words. But this is at best disingenuous. At best. If not, just straight up, you're full of shit, dude. Like, come on, man. Uh, um, well, Ray, go ahead. Let's let's get you going. The hilarity of the fact that he's saying if we just would do this movie, that's been thirty, forty dollars to put. Bad Girl and the Cowboy Cowdy versus Acme movie were both supposed to be releasing on HBO Max. So what type of advertising were you doing for that? But on your own channels. It, it, that's hilarious. Like, this motherfucker here is hilarious. And, like, you remember that Imagine video that came out with Gal Gadot that, like... Oh, that was such a stupid... They need to do one for him, apparently, for all the billionaires, you know, to, to, to raise awareness for these billionaires who are out here, you know, struggling to make... Bi- By the way, one more thing, and I'm gonna shut up, I promise. I'm, and I, I, I'm not doing this because I know you hate when we do this. But... I have to bring up wrestling in one regard because I think it's relevant here. All year long, we've talked about, had to talk about and heard about, hear about how much Warner Bros. Discovery is struggling. They they killed an app to merge, right? A, a, an app that was working to merge their their products. They literally sold off multiple of their own and some of, critically their best content. They've scrapped movies. That were done to get the tax break, right? But they about to throw three hundred million dollars at the WWE to go to for Raw to come to Warner Bros. Discovery. Where what are we doing? Like, talk to me like I'm five, dog. And like the great modern philosopher Denzel Washington said in Philadelphia, explain it to me like I'm a five year old, please. Right. I, I wish I could. I wish I could. Um, because I can't. Like, I wish I could, but I can't. 
I'm done, man. Tony, uh, your turn. DJ, Tony doesn't want to. Yeah, I'm not no. sure I can add much more. Yeah. I mean, first of all, fuck the uh, the collective 400 people in the world who have as much money as the collective world entirely. Um, yeah, I feel bad for you when you can't afford your $700 lunch. Uh, that that's my 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 bleeding heart uh, violin for you today. I, as far as like releasing movies that they don't think are going to make any profitability, I refer back to a movie back in the late 70s little sci-fi flick you guys may have seen that nobody believed in, that nobody thought was going to do anything, including the guy who wrote, produced, and directed the fucking thing, Star Wars. Star Wars was supposed to be dead in the water. And look what happened to it. You never know what people are going to latch onto. And I think, and we'll just speak in terms of the Batgirl movie. I think enough people would have latched onto the idea that, hey, we're going to get Michael Keaton as Batman one more time. I think there were enough of us kids from the 90s who would have latched onto that and said, you know what? I'll go to theater to see that old man play Batman one more time. I know it was going to be on HBO Max, but still, I think there's enough of us that would have watched it to justify it, even if it stunk. You know, even if the movie absolutely I mean, stunk. It'd be better than your last image of Michael Keaton as Batman being that shitty Flash movie. So He was the best part of that shitty Flash movie, though, he is the thing. Not- he was good True. though. It's not a bad. He was very good. It's not a bad know, last memory of him. It's not a bad last you memory can, of you him. Can, you can. It is because you're. If that's the movie I gotta remember it by, I'm gonna go back. I'd rather watch Batman Returns. No, but well, I remember. Okay, uh, let me ask I you this. His let me ask you this, Patrick. Excellent. Do you think the Batgirl movie would have been as bad as Flash? No, I don't. Okay, so there we have it. I think that, that, that movie. That movie was. That movie was a fuck. Uh, not. Not what it should have. It bombed hard. Wait, no, it bombed hard, but for the people that saw million on its debut. Who's going to see Aquaman? I'm going to Myself and the little O'Dowd, but we talked about this last week in the trailer. That movie actually looks good. It does. Like, I... I, I, The villain story I actually think that movie looks good. The the thing about the Batgirl movie for me that, like, just really bothered me the most about why people thought it wouldn't do well is Brendan Fraser, the guy who quite literally was up for, like, with the, with the darling of critical acclaim with The Whale, who he won, right? He won Best, best Actor for The he Whale. Did. Right? Literally said, and whether it's just what you do when you do the press run, but they weren't doing a press run. He said, this bad girl movie is one of the best movies I've ever done. That guy. That's not, that, I, yeah. like, that's not a guy that's number one is one to lie. Clearly, we know he's not a liar. And number two, he's done everything there is to do. I'm not gonna. I, I believe him when he says that. Is it possible no, I, that they were worried this movie would actually do really well, and then they're like, okay, what do we do? Because we have no plans to follow this. Like this is tied into a, a cinematic universe that we're no longer planning on using. And if it does really well and it's a huge success, what are we doing? You know, because you almost kind of have to follow that up with no real clear well, plan to do that. There's so much. I mean, you could uh, you could make the same argument for why they finished Aquaman, and I know that why because you had Jason Momoa in it, and you had James Wan behind it. The the clout of the actors in that movie were were frankly stronger than the clout of the actors in Batgirl. Like you can't. There, there's no real denying that. Nicole Kidman, um, God, who uh, Patrick. Um, 
Wilson. What's Patrick Wilson? Like it's a, it's it's a stronger te- it's a stronger cast in the sense of a box office. It to me it just seems like a, a David Zaslav is refusing to admit that it is what it is. It was done to save a buck, and if he if he just he should just let it sit at that. Like be the fucking bad guy. Like if you're gonna do the Bond villain thing, don't then try to tell us that you're you you did something that was really quite brave. You really didn't. You you made the cost cutting decision that you made. People didn't like it, so now you're trying to backtrack on it, and you can't make you for some reason you don't feel like you can take the genie back out of the bottle, or put the genie back into the bottle. Sorry, uh, though they magically found a way to keep Looney Tunes on HBO Max after people got pissed about it. Did y'all notice uh, that? Yep. They said they were going to take it all off, and then they walked it back. Uh, so it's not like things are impossible. Uh, it's it's a bottom line thing that for whatever reason their genius analysts thought that it wasn't going to make the money that that it needed to make to be worthwhile for the company to keep. And that's too bad. And if that's your reason, just have that be your reason. Don't be like, oh, it was really hard and I was really brave to make that call. Like, just don't be that guy. Don't be the jagoff. So Blowfield, Blowfield never tried to save face. That's all I'm saying. You tell me right. Yeah. Like, don't don't go out there on a press tour. And Iger needs to stop that, too. Like, Iger needs to quit what he what he says he's going to quit. He says he's going to quit in 2026, and yet he keeps getting extended and renewed. He keeps being like, oh, no, don't keep me. Um, I will say he's doing a lot better job of not endearing himself to his public this time around. So he he may truly be done this time, not just with film, but also just with Disney in general, like his Disney park work, his Disney film, like all those. Everything is going south for him right now. It ain't looking good. All right. Let's let's end on a high note, fellas. Let's do our our usual end of the day routine and tell everybody out there what you're watching. And this week, DJ, what you watching? Uh, watching uh, the Mass Effect trilogy. They re-released that on PlayStation Five, so I've been playing slash watching that. And last night, I started watching something on Netflix called Knights of the Zodiac, uh, which mm. is a, a, a you know for what it is, it's actually been enjoyable. The acting's not great. The the, the CGs. For what it is, it's fine, but it's it's a nice little way to, you know, kick two hours around. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, I've heard of Knights of the Zodiac. I have not seen Knights of the... I have not watched it, but I know I've heard of it, so... Uh, it's call. got Sean, Sean Bean's in it and Funky Jensen's in it. Ooh, very nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Tony, what you watching? Well, uh, there's a really good episode of Hot Ones that's in the queue for me. Uh, Sterling K. Brown from um, This Is Us. And in addition to that, uh, the second half of uh, Squid Game, the challenge, the reality series. I gotta... Is it out? Yeah, it's out. So it came out. I got to check up on that. And I uh, can't wait to watch the last five episodes. So that's what I've Excellent. been watching. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to Fortnite, which got some invincible skins in there um in addition a peter griffin skin uh who got swole up by some uh chug splash so shout out to them they're also co uh co corroborating with lego when when peter Guys. griffin dies in fortnite he does the knee thing the, ah. this this ah. real quick i'm sorry to, i'm sorry to interject in here this this week for trailers has been killing me as 
The trailer for Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire just released thirty minutes ago. Oh no! This has been a rough weekend. And what was the one that <laughs> so we didn't put on here? So many trailers. The one that we didn't put that Dave gave us last minute. What was that? No, no, no. That was the that was for Halo Season Two. Yeah. Um, which is purely a Dave. It was a trailer. We I I was like, dude, we've already got six trailers. I can't put a seventh one in. Next week we will definitely be talking about Godzilla X Kong. Go check it out as it's now floating around on the internet. Um, good times. All right, uh, Ray. Ray, you were talking to you. What you watching? Um, well, first and foremost, um, I'm, I'm again. I'm a big fan of the Power Universe. Fifty Cent shows on uh, Stars. So Power uh, Raising Canaan just came back. See, see, episode one was Friday, but Invincible. Episode four of season two had my jaw drop on the motherfucking floor. Don't spoil it. I'm on episode two. I may sit down and catch up tonight. Of of season of the, the, the this season, right? C. Sir. Okay, be careful. It is it is it is it is one of the most one of the most oh my god episodes. Like right. be careful. Okay. In, a, in a series that got a lot of them. This isn't this isn't Gen V where I'm probably not gonna watch it. This is Invincible, so slow the fuck no, down. No, you're gonna watch Gen V because it's gonna be one of the five best shows. I'm gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> Gen V is one of the five best shows you'll have watched in your life. I'm telling you that I mean I just, that like watch I think it. It's better than the boys. Gen V may be better than the boys. Oh, I don't think so. I hope uh, Ray, but Ray, Ray, also I tell you is I hope I hope I hope uh I hope the boys Mexico works out though. What you want, you want me to shout out the the black the black episode? <laughs> you want to the boys. All right. Uh for me, I have started watching on Netflix the uh anime series that I told you guys about, Blue Eyes Samurai, Star Cell Star Study Cast. Hell of a show. I'm three episodes in. I've been watching it uh one at a time. And uh, uh, it's it's beautiful. It's a terrific story. It's epic in scope. I love it. Love it. And Kenneth Branagh, one of my favorite British actors, voices the bad guy. And it's 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 crazy. It's I know you guys aren't big in anime um, or or Samurai Tal, except for DJ. Uh, the usual bandwagon is the ones that poo-poo the anime. Um, it's a fucking great show. I, I love it, and I hope it. Um, I hope it lasts. Um, and yeah, last night, uh, as we as we have this recording here on Sunday, uh, last night on Saturday, I took the little O'Dowd, and we went and saw in the theater Godzilla minus one, which I did. We went and saw it at the theater. Finished. Third in the box office this week behind Beyonce, who released the uh, Renaissance concert and um, the Hunger Games prequel. I think finished second. I give I I give Godzilla minus one two enthusiastic thumbs up. Little O'Dowd loved it as well. Uh, It is everything that Godzilla was from from the start in the sense that. Um, it's about Japan and Godzilla really as a film franchise, it, the, the monster is, is this, is the symbol and the allegory of nuclear war and the cost of nuclear war to the Island of Japan and its people. And in this case, not only world war two, but the aftermath of world war two and its own hubris and experimentation. And 
it's it's funny. I was a little nervous about taking the little O'Dowd to see the movie because it's all in subtitles. He handled it just fine. He's a I'm going to brag a little bit. He's a really good reader for an 11 year old. Like he keeps up quite well. His biggest criticism, and I couldn't even just I couldn't even deny it though, and it cracked me up though, is uh he complained about how Godzilla's arms moved in <laughs> in the in the in the special effects, but the special effects are amazing. The sound, we were talking about sound editing. Like you have to see this in a theater on a giant system because it, it just is the, the sound and scope. Um, and it's funny because one of the other things that I complain about at a lot of the Americanized Godzilla, there is a very strong story following a young soldier from world war II, a kamikaze pilot who, um, his, the whole his whole story starts with him uh, faking a faulty airplane so that he does not have to go through with killing himself as a kamikaze pilot, and he dishonors himself and his family. And it's about him getting his life back after his decisions have ramifications. So, excellent, excellent film, uh, and just it's the way I want Godzilla to be, and so I uh, I really really like it, and um, think people should see it. It's got a 100%. It may still, I don't know if it still has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a Cinescore of an AA. Plus. It's doing great. People love it. Go see it. Hey, Tony. We need to go see the Godzilla movie at the 4Ds with the seats and the shit. Can you imagine the seats shaking for that movie? I, I mean, that's where you want to kind of get into the lower middle of the upper section where you can have the, the sound surround you, as opposed to the top row where you can enjoy 3D the best. Good point. These are all great strategies uh, to pursue. And however you choose to see this movie, see it as best you can. All right, fellas, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, please, let's do a quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you on the Chairshot Radio Network and listen to you. Um, and, you know, as Tony says, please people's earballs. And with that, we'll start with Tony. Uh, PC Tony, that's where you can find me. And Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. Ray Cash. Friend me on friendster.com slash it's Ray Cash. Yeah, okay. R-A-Y is a mysterious C-A-S-H-S. What the fuck? (laughs) Okay, Friendster. Hey, Hey, you're my favorite Friendster. The fuck is Friendster? That's what he said. I I I don't I don't shout out Elon's app anymore, so I say all old apps that used to exist as a way to tell people to follow me. So okay, yeah, yeah. You said, I don't want you to follow me, so follow me. <laughs> moving move, moving on to DJ, I guess. It's got a little. Um, I am on the app formerly known as Twitter at the Mindless Pod, one of the hosts of the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Again, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. Uh, we also have a little Facebook page. You can look for the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, as well as we are on the YouTube. Uh, again, look for the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Cool, and you can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can also follow me on Instagram at the same moniker, as well as Threads. Also, be sure to follow Bandwagon Nerds. We uh, once again have declared that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, much to my chagrin. That's okay. If you like it, great. If you don't, 
I disagree with you, and that's fine. We'll have another poll up soon, I am sure. Those are always a lot of fun. Good things to boost engagement. Maybe it'll be who's the bigger asshole, Bob Iger or David Zaslav. I don't know if I'll write it. We'll see. But uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week's edition. Uh, you know what? Follow at Attitude Ag, too, I guess. I mean, he's in Disneyland right now, but follow David Ongar, the can, lawyer himself. Can, can he's we send, feeding Bob Igar right now. Yeah, can we send our hate <laughs> tweets to Dave this week? Sure, send them to at Attitude Ag. That's perfectly acceptable because why, Tony? Well, fuck that guy. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Not Dave. <laughs> Oh, no. I'd do it if I can do it to DP, I can do it to anybody. Said with love, Ray Cash. Said with love. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and go see Godzilla Minus One. Totally worth it and experience all onto its own. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. And fuck you, Bob Iger. And fuck you, David Zaslav. We love you. No, we don't. Goodbye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.